This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hello, everybody. I'm Anthony Kasterman. Thanks for tuning in to our weekly Tribe Chat with Jordan Bastian. JB is still out in Arizona. Opening day is fast approaching. Spring training camp is winding down. The Indians have uh, made a lot of decisions as it to their opening day roster. And really, uh, some of the decisions, unfortunately, were made for them, JB. Uh, some news this week with uh, Lonnie Chisenhall setback. Uh, and, of course, Michael Bradley as well, uh, not going to be ready for opening day, which is, in the big picture, not terribly surprising, uh, given how, how closely removed he is from shoulder surgery. But uh, Chisholm Hall is yet another development in this ever-evolving outfield picture. If, if the projected outfield at one time was uh, Brantley, Abe Almonte, and Chisholm Hall, uh, that has all been washed away, as, at least as, as it pertains to opening day. Uh, talk me through the Chisholm Hall injury and what that meant for the rest of the roster. Yeah, I mean, he's been dealing with a forearm issue at least a couple weeks ago he was, and, you know, he's also been dealing with a left wrist left wrist issue, which kind of has been you know, bothering him on and off throughout, he said. It's taking a toll on his swing, taking a toll on his offense, as evidenced by his spring batting average. And, you know, they just kind of reached a point here while he's feeling much better, and he even says he's pain-free at this point, uh, he hasn't really garnered the enough, you know, the volume of at-bats that the Indians would prefer, and that he would prefer. You know, he's been trying to get at-bats on the minor league side, you know, just to sort of rack up the, the volume that he's missed, but he's still not comfortable yet, and I think the Indians just aren't comfortable yet with where he is, so he can open up on the 15-day disabled list, and it kind of works out because, Facing the Red Sox and facing the White Sox, uh, there will be a lot of left-handed pitchers who could be in play. And those are games that Chisholm Hall probably wouldn't have been in the starting lineup anyway. So kind of looking at the early season schedule, looking at the amount of at-bats that he missed, it just makes too much sense you know, to say, hey, you know, we're not going to play in any spring games. We'll open you on the DL. And then on April 12th, when they open a series in Tampa Bay, he'll be eligible to come off. And if he feels as good or, or better than he does right now, you know, all indications are that he'll be ready to come off the DL as soon as he's eligible. Well, yeah, that, that, that timing seems to work out with the lefty pitching. And, of course, it means we've seen uh, how much they mix and match when it comes to right. facing lefties. And there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching in general in that outfield. Um, and then other repercussions, of course, uh, to that injury, Marlon Bird makes the club. Colin Cowgill makes the club. Um, interesting with Bird there, obviously the Indians signed a couple of guys, a couple of veteran guys to minor league deals uh, during spring training camp, Will Venable and Marlon Bird. Bird makes the club. Venable does not. Basically that comes down, I would imagine, to uh, the, the glaring need for right-handed power, correct? Yeah, and Bird 
you know, not only against left-handed pitching, he has a pretty decent track record against right-handed pitching as well. So while Chisholm's out, he can probably be the right fielder. And they really like Cowgill, not only because of what he can do against lefty pitching, but they like that he can be a little disruptive on the base pads. And they also like the fact that he can back up in center field as well. Um, so he can play all three, gives them that option. And I think he could have had room for both of those guys, even in, in a scenario where Naquin and Chisenhall and Davis are on the roster. I think he could have made it work. Uh, but this way, maybe it allows the Indians to carry an extra pitcher. Um, they have yet to announce, you know, kind of the exact makeup of the pitching staff. But I think we're looking at a scenario where Cody Anderson, Josh Tomlin, uh, both make the roster, which is a pretty interesting idea. Uh, one of those guys could maybe be a swing guy. Maybe they're both in the rotation. Maybe Trevor Bauer uh, becomes an option for the bullpen. Uh, we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, but it's an interesting scenario with Chisholm going to the DL, kind of opening up that possibility for an extra arm on the pitching staff. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure as much as Terry Francona did, not like to see what happened to Chisinau. I'm sure he leaps at any opportunity to carry an extra pitcher. And obviously uh, the Indians are, are probably going to go that route uh, for opening day. Ross Detweiler makes the club non-roster invitee. That's a nice uh, comeback story for him, uh, making it back to the big leagues. What went into that decision? Yeah, and I think it, you know, it remains to be seen what the comeback story will lead to in the major leagues, but I think what's really interesting about it is this seems to be sort of a, one of the cases where it's a you know a lot of people went into this decision. You know, over the winter before they signed him, they sort of the front office identified a flaw in his delivery. They found that for a six foot five pitcher, he was taking the stride length of like a five foot ten pitcher. And they had, you know, they relayed that information to Mickey Calloway, who got on the phone and relayed that information to, to Detweiler and really kind of explained, hey, here's what we see. And if you sign with us, here's what we're going to tackle in spring training. And, you know, reasons why they felt if he made those changes, you know, he could be a, a much more effective pitcher. So, you know, he really bought in right away and went to work on those changes, really hit it off with Mickey Calloway, got into camp, you know, worked on those changes within his outings, which they were impressed with because a lot of times when players are competing, they'll just go back to what they can do to get guys out rather than working on implementing changes in the middle of a spring training outing. And so they were really impressed. And they also liked the idea that he could potentially be a multi-inning lefty who could handle lefties and righties. Uh, they weren't sure prior to the Chisholm injury that they could carry an extra arm or an extra uh, pure bullpen arm maybe. And this way, they're not locked into a lefty specialist. I think, you know, Terry Francona, as everyone kind of well knows by now, really likes versatility among his players, whether it's a utility guy, whether it's a reliever. I think Detweiler sort of provides a little more versatility in the bullpen. Just kind of tying a bow on spring training here, we've, of course, talked quite a bit about Tyler Naquin as spring has progressed. And it kind of became a, a foregone conclusion he was going to make the club, but that, of course, became official since we last spoke. And it's got to be a great moment for him. You, you love when a young guy uh, legitimately steps up and earns a job. Yeah, I, I think for two reasons this was was pretty cool story. Um, first, just like you said, you know, they kind of sat him down and said, hey, with Bradley injured and with El Monte facing the suspension, there's a clear opening. 
you know, go seize this opportunity. And, you know, you know, he really did. He was the best performing outfielder in camp this spring. Very, very impressive. So it's a cool story in that regard. And I think the other side of it, uh, so many uh, Indians fans have grown to expect with a young player that they will not be on the opening day roster because all the Indians care about is service time and, and future arbitration years and saving nickels and pennies. Uh, in this case, they showed with Tyler Naquin that they earned the spot on the roster and they went with the guy that made the most sense and earned it regardless of where he is in his major league career. So I thought that was nice to see for a change. You know, a prospect will be opening uh, with the Indians you know, after really doing everything in his power to earn that job, you know, and maybe more so than a lot of the other candidates that were in camp. Yeah, amen to that. And, of course, you know, they faced that criticism last year with Lindor, but there's, there's right. previous instances in this organization of of uh, moving guys up uh, when the need arose and, and when the guy uh, proved his readiness. Uh, yep. So, you know, Matt Laporta falls in that category. Alex White back in the day. These guys, of course, did not pan out as stars, but uh, they certainly got the opportunity when it was there. All right, so bold predictions. Let's make some bold predictions here, JB. Oh, boy. Give me your first. Uh, you know what? My first bold prediction, I'll say that one of the Indian starters will win the Cy Young Award, and it won't be Corey Kluber. You know, I think uh, – I think there's so much talent within this staff, and I think Carlos Carrasco and Danny Salazar are really positioned well to have breakout years, more so than they did last year. They were obviously breakout seasons uh, in many ways for both of those pitchers last year, but I think these are both guys that are t- capable of being the number one or, or ace, so to speak, on many other teams, and they just happen to be the number two and the number three of very talented pitching staff. So I could very well see one of those pitchers coming away with some hardware, you know, on a staff where Corey Kluber has already accomplished that a couple of years ago. I like it. I like it. You know, one man's bold is another man's tame. I, I don't know if everyone will consider that a bold prediction. I think maybe Josh <laughs> Tomlin winning the Cy Young might be a bold prediction, but I do uh, like where your head's at because um, certainly those guys don't get, the, especially Salazar, I don't think he gets the love that, that his 2015 season deserved. Um, you right. know, there's some metrics to suggest he was he was every bit as valuable, if not more valuable, than, than Kluber and Carrasco last season. So uh, certainly going to be a lot of eyes on those first three starters in the Tribe rotation. Uh, how about something from the offense? Give me a bold prediction for somebody on the offensive side. Well, let's see. As much... Uh... You know, distaste as there seems to be among some Tribe fans for Carlos Santana. You know, let's say this year is the year he finally hits 30 home runs. He's shown the potential right. before. He's had, he's had 27 a couple times. Uh, he's had a down year last year. Slugging was down. But I think bringing Mike Napoli in takes some pressure off of him, takes the spotlight a little bit more off him in terms of needing to be the guy in the heart of that lineup. Uh, so maybe this year he relaxes a little more. Uh, you know, gets that confidence going and can put 30 home runs alongside his 100 walks. I think that would be nice to see. Again, I don't know if that's a, a bold prediction, but, you know, maybe saying Francisco Lindor hits 30 would be a crazy prediction. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but I think Santana uh, hitting 30 would be a, a very, very nice development for the Indians. And I certainly think it's obtainable. Yeah, I, no, I'd say that's bold. I like that as bold. 
this would be his age 30 season, by the way. So there's some, uh, you know, there's some numerical correlation there. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, that'd be nice. Can't say enough about Santana and Jan Gomes, uh, you know, being X factors in this offense, really, because, you know, you know Brantley is going to be slow go early on. Uh, of course, now the Chisholm Hall development, there's just that general concern about where are the runs going to come from. Um, and, you know, th- those guys are essential. Bounce back seasons for those guys. So we'll see how that all shakes out. It won't be long. Opening day, fast approaching. Tribe Red Sox on Monday at Progressive Field. Jordan Bastion and I will both be there. We will be freezing our you-know-what's off and enjoying every minute of it. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extras, Cleveland Indians edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.